testing. One, two, three. Good. Testing. Let me test my voice now. No oh, clipping. We're you're good. You're a little louder. No, we're, well, I'm louder because I have a deeper voice. Do we have to not talk over each other? We can talk over each oh other. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> that was good. Hey, it's Lisa, also known as Mrs. Mad Money Monster, and I'm here with Mr. Mad Money Monster, as you might expect, for another episode of the Mad Money Monster Show. Yay! Yay! Okay, we need to stop doing that. Yeah, well, it's very early in the morning. Why are we recording this so early? Because you're leaving for Canada, and I have to go to my day job, and this is the only window we have so that we don't disappoint our fans and we can keep on schedule with publishing our podcasts. This is how much we love you. Remember this when you think, I'm going to start a blog. I'm going to start a podcast. (laughs) Right. Exactly. We have to have something out by Monday. And oh, before I fly, I have to edit all of this. There are sacrifices to be made. It is actually a job, a second job. So again, side hustle versus second job. That was episode 12, I think. There you go. (laughs) It all comes back to something. So let's pick up where we left off. Uh, This is kind of a to be continued. Yeah, our last episode. So why don't you do a brief recap? So our last episode, episode 13, we talked about second generation fire, parental role models, and there was a little rat poison thrown in there too. Yeah, a little rat poison was thrown in for good measure. That was really exciting. You really should go back and hear that if you didn't. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So we're continuing, I guess we're, we're giving the background how... We're we're definitely teaching our daughter the fire principles, uh, even though we're not on board with early retirement as part of our plan anymore. But uh, we're definitely teaching her those principles and hoping some of them or most of them stick. But we were going back and talking about where where we got our uh, fundamentals, our financial fundamentals from, and our parental role models as as you know growing up. And how we are so not second generation fire. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so where did we leave off? It was almost with the rat poison. Sure. So we we, we rat- ended we ended with the rat poison and uh, basically your mother did, like I said, a green acres and said, you know, you are my wife. And she told your father, look, I'm pregnant. You're coming with me and you're helping raise this kid. And that's all there is to it. So they, they got together uh, they married. It yep. was you with three other siblings in a trailer. 400 square foot trailer. 400 square Single foot Single wide, eight, eight feet. By 50. Eight by 50, yep. Yep, eight by 50 trailer. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit. I really think we, we talked about your mother and, and where she came from and, and where she was kind of heading and why she made some of the choices that she did in her first marriage. But your father was considerably older and yep, 27 uh, years older grew up during the depression so that affected his financial yes, outlook definitely. on many things so why don't you give us a little uh, uh character description of your father oh sure quick quick background sure yes so again born in 1917 so he's 27 years older than my mother uh lived through the great depression went to school in a one-room schoolhouse right <laughs> That's how old, you know, he was. Uh, Never had a a huge interest in school. But again, his parents were working, working class people, right? And again, born in 1917. Which is almost the close of World War I. Not everyone is thinking college back then. In fact, probably most people were not. So, 
uh, he wasn't correlating an education with with his quality of life, I guess. Uh, and when I say education, I'm not saying you need a master's degree or, or professional school or even college at this point. Right? Anymore. Did he finish high school? Oh no, he didn't even finish. Uh, I think he only got to seventh grade. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then he went right into the workforce and just had no interest in school the whole time. Right. Even in in grade school, and I I know he always told me. When he was growing, he looked looked back and, and thought that was obviously a mistake. He should have had more interest in school. <laughs> Seems we hear that a lot right. in society. Yeah. And he, he said he remembers a teacher telling him, you know, you need to take this more seriously. What do you want to do? Dig ditches for the rest of your life? <laughs> it's like in Caddyshack. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. But, but you know what? That, that made an impact on him. He remembered that his entire life. I mean, he didn't necessarily do anything to change it well that's but, interesting that's part of the financial scope yeah, that we're talking about yeah so he did he so did. He, he entered the workforce and, and and also to emphasize he was kind of born raised and stayed in in the same town his whole life in the same town yeah i mean i'm kind of doing the same thing we're only you travel extensively well that's true my father did not travel at all but back to staying on point with uh, the financial aspect of his life he yeah. He jumped into the labor force. Um, uh, he didn't join the military. Mm-hmm. He was never drafted. I, I don't know what the reasons for that wow, were. I feel lucky. like, yeah, I feel he like was maybe too young for World War. Well, I. maybe that's what it was, and maybe a little bit too old for the Second World War. Oh, I don't think so at all. Mm, I, I think I think he would have been just about perfect for the Second oh, World. Oh, maybe. Yeah, but maybe because he had a family. Yeah, I think he. I think he was married to his first wife, Rat, rat Poison. poison. Yeah, yes. he was married to Rat Poison. <laughs> I love it. It was in wow. unison. So he, I love that, that he, he had the odds of either going into World War II or staying at home with almost probably similar odds of survival with his first wife, Rat Poison. Yes. Ay, ay, ay. So anyway, he's jumping into the workforce. He was a custodian most of his life at various places. He worked at a shoe factory. When the, when the Great Depression hit, he actually had a job share where he shared his full-time job. It was cut down to part-time, half-time, and he shared that with another employee. So he actually continued to work throughout the Great Depression, which was impressive, right? Most people didn't even have a job. So he did have that. He would tell me about the lard sandwiches. So when you cooked your meals or whatever you were cooking, you saved that animal fat, right? And you, you would take that lard and spread it on a sandwich, and that was your... That was your meal. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, then you had rationing in World War II. So there were like meatless Tuesdays and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, the only thing that ended the Depression was the war. Yeah. The Second War. The Second War. <laughs> yes. So he was always very frugal and mm-hmm. conscious of money. But again, not to build wealth, just to have money to survive and live what he felt was a satisfaction fine life, right? I mean, he enjoyed staying at home. He enjoyed ice cream in the evenings. He was never one to plan a trip. He never went anywhere. Like, you know, his dream was to go see Yankee Stadium, which is three and a half hours north of us. Not even that, which I took him to in his 80s. Like, that was his life's dream. (laughs) So, you know, his he didn't have his bar set very high. However, he still enjoyed his life. He was not a drinker. He was not a gay. Very vanilla life. Very. And was he a smoker? No. So no, see no, that. No. So no income 
being spent on those things. This is true, yeah. So he worked, he, brought his money home. Yes. And used the envelope system. There this you This was go. before Dave Ramsey even existed. Nobody even knew who he was, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he talks about the envelope system. I'm not sure where that came I from. I used the envelope system. Yeah, that, that and my was, mother used and the envelope system. And maybe that was system. like a, a depression era kind of thing. Maybe, sure. Maybe uh, I'm thinking, I'm just crossing my wires with Dave Ramsey. Maybe he... Talk to, talks about it a lot. You know. had told me that he had a fixation for trailers, that when it came time to get a home, oh yeah, it wasn't that you couldn't get a home, it was that he specifically chose a trailer. What, what about that? Well, so he lived, I mean, he was born in a, in a home, right? In a town, when I say a townhouse, I don't mean the kind you're thinking of now these days. It's right. like a town, a, t- a house in a town, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, with a sidewalk, like a you know, a, you know, normal town, right? Sure. Um, and he, but when he left home, when he got married, they moved into a trailer. He bought a trailer with his first, with rat poison, with his mm-hmm. first wife, and um, he liked the idea of not having pressure. He didn't want stress of a mortgage, so to him, it was a lot more affordable. It was easily attainable, and he didn't feel like he had huge debt. Well, because he didn't, and that's what he liked about it. He just liked having a low-stress lifestyle. He would bring his money home. He'd. Sev- I, I remember watching him as a child pull out his envelopes. You know, one had oil written on it for, you know, our heating oil. Uh, and that was that was the big one. He always had to put a lot of money in that envelope. Yeah. I remember that. You know, there was groceries. There was, I, and I can't remember, you know, just the basic, you know, budgetary, budgetary uh, line items that he had his envelopes for. But every payday, I remember him pulling out the little firebox that he kept under the bed, again, under the bed, basically stuffed in the mattress, right, mm-hmm. from the Depression era, Pulled out the little box, you know, opened it up with the key. I mean, anybody could have come in and, like, snagged this box of and, cash. And it's really interesting to see how his financial dealings and habits definitely connected with you. You saw these as a little girl. They resonated with you. Yeah. And, and you you don't use the envelope system. You just use the digital envelope system. Yes. Yeah, I do. Which is on your... I, I watch you on Sundays or on the weekend... You have your envelope system on Excel. It's so true. I am so old school when it comes to... I don't like anything coming out. Very, very few payments do I have set up on an automatic schedule. I want to control that. And I think that also stems from, though, when I was a single parent. Because money was... I had to be a lot more careful with the money. With my single income. Sure, sure. And I just wanted to know when things were being paid, when things were being pulled out. And I didn't... It just worked better for me and gave me more peace of mind than having everything automated. And what if there's a mistake and I'm not catching it and, you know, yeah. I'm getting all these fees. Because I do. I do. Even today, I've run our checking account where the bills are paid out of. I've, I've run that pretty low because I like transferring anything that's not going to be used for that to investments or savings or whatever, right? So back to my dad with his envelopes. Uh, it was it was really interesting because he was such a stark contrast to my mother. So my mother born 
right at the end of World War II where everything was consumed, consumed, consumed. We had the boom economy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my mother wanted every dime that was coming in, she wanted to spend it. So my dad, every dime that was coming in, he wanted to save it because that made him feel good, made him feel safe and secure. Right? And that was something that people that lived through the Depression definitely have in common, right? So, so the psychology of the two are very, very different. So you have a, a, a father who wants to remain financially safe, that that, that provided security for him yes. and, and lowered his stress level yes. because he grew up at a time of nothing. Yes. And then you have your mother who was born in a time of the boom economy. Yes. And basically was neglected as a child. Mm-hmm. And now this ability to go out and spend gives her a social life and gives her uh, a way to get out and and also in a way kind of like control and power. She's controlling over things she consumes, she brings yes. in. So you have two very different people yes. modeling two very different financial platforms. Yes, yes. And I feel like you say uh, that my dad really resonated with me, but so did my mom. Like I... I feel like it's a constant struggle for me. It's it's like a push and a pull all the time yes. where, yeah, I want to save all this. Oh, but I really want that too, right? So <laughs> it, it is. A, I try. I have to do like a balancing act. Like I drive, I drive what? A BMW, right? Uh, that hasn't always been the case. But again, this was a $16,000 BMW that we paid cash for, right? So it wasn't... Like I went out and spent sixty thousand on a BMW. We found a good deal. Um, uh, granted, of course, maintenance costs are going to be higher than they would be. Um, and will I always have one? Probably not. Yeah. Let, let's look at the let's look at the BMW for a second. You're right. It's very much representative of your parents. As long as I ever knew you, you always said, "Boy, I always wanted a BMW." I know. Always I know. wanted a BMW. And then we got the chance after a summer of looking at numerous vehicles. Oh my gosh, yeah. And all of them used. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I've never I, I don't had a new car. I think we ever stepped foot on a brand new no, lot no, to no. even look at a sticker. Not on, that on a brand there's new anything wrong with buying a new right. car. Right. Because if you're going to drive it into the ground and you're going to, you know, get the zero, if you pay cash or you get the 0% interest and you're going to keep it for 15, 20 years, fine. That, whatever, you know, that's fine. But Personal that wasn't finance. us. It wasn't our choice. Right. Right. So we found this vehicle for 16000 It right. looked fantastic, looked brand new on the inside and the outside. It was very well kept. But that's a neat mixture of your mother and father because it's something that you wanted, right. you need. Right. You wanted it. Right. Okay. And I was well aware of that. And, yep. But yet you still went frugally enough right. that, it, that BMW I, actually costs less than some like Toyotas or Nissans. I pulled the cash to pay for it out of an envelope. It was literally paid with the envelope system. Yes, it was. <laughs> but anyway, to go back to um, my mom and dad. So my mom, interestingly enough, never pushed for us to get a home. Uh, well, we had a home, right? The trailer. But I'm saying a, a, a normal stick-built house, right? She never pushed for that. So I think on some level, she was okay with having that security as well, living below their means. But they, you know, again, any extra money, then she was able to take and spend that on her nice clothes and nice clothes for me and toys, like the latest toy. and But that made her feel good because she didn't have those things growing up. Whenever new people would come into our lives, I remember my older brother uh, brought his girlfriend home 
who actually he married and is still with today. <laughs> but when she was initially introduced to the family, they were, I think, still in their teens. And my mother would continuously say to her, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have, you know, the things like your parents have. We're just poor people. So I don't remember hearing her say that, but obviously I must have heard her say that. That is something that my sister-in-law has told me since. She says, I don't know how many times I heard her say that to me. We're just poor people. That was her mindset. and Was I, it something I, that she was resigning herself to? I think so. Yes. I think so. Oh, yes. Because I don't think she, she ever conceived that there would be a different way or there could be a different way. Right? I mean, she had four children, right? Yes. I was the fourth child. Right. And she had me at 30. So my dad's 57. So she's not thinking in 1975. Oh, gosh, I'm really being... This is so truthful right now. <laughs> she's not thinking in 1975. Maybe I'll go back to school. <laughs> right? right? She's not thinking, maybe I'll I'll uh, get a nursing degree or maybe... Right, that that's not in her wheelhouse. And my dad at fifty seven was thinking more about retirement than than increasing his income in any sort of way. Right, right. He <laughs> right. he's looking more toward retirement. And and real fast then, so what was your mother doing at this time? Okay, yeah, at thirty she had you, and now there are four children. Your father is still working and, and worked right up basically in, until he died. But yeah. what was she doing? to bring in or supplement any income. So, right, four kids. That's tough, right? And I I mean, I was the youngest, so it was, I was, oh, I don't know. I'm five years younger than my next sibling, right? And then 10 years between the next one and 12. Okay. (laughs) So she was, she would work periodically. So she would work maybe a few years full time and then she'd stay home maybe a few years. I don't know that she ever worked part ah yeah here and there part time but usually it was a full time job for a few years and then she would just quit and stay home right so cycled in and out of that but the income the extra income she brought in was not used for investments or save for the future save for retirement they didn't save a penny now my dad would have liked to have had more in savings but my dad also didn't think I need a nest egg or when I can't work anymore. He, he didn't think like that either, right? And I'm, I'm guessing it's because they were most, they were low-income earners. So there just wasn't a lot of leftover money anyway. Investment, I don't even know that my mother could tell you, maybe she could give you a, a rudimentary explanation of what a quote-unquote investment is now, but certainly not then. Interesting. And my dad had, I don't think, you know, what's a stock? I don't even know if they could tell you that. Yeah, so <laughs> I I had zero. No second generation fire sitting here. Just because my parents didn't have this knowledge or upbringing, I, I certainly, now of course this is a reflection on me, right? But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they were stupid people. Like they were Definitely capable of having this information and learning this information, right? So my mother would tell me things that I, again, I'm coachable, right? Not many people, well, not many, not everyone is coachable, right? So I am coachable. She would tell me over and over, Lisa, always have your own money. Never depend on a man or anyone else. You know, 
be able to support yourself, get an education. So probably all the things she didn't really do. Yeah, and you know maybe just because she didn't vocalize these things as as in like I should have done this, I should have done that. She did in a sense vocalize them giving me that advice. Interesting though, I don't think my sister who's 10 years older ever got that memo. I don't think any of the other kids got that memo. So I don't know if it's because I was the youngest, I was at home longer, she had more life experience. So And and your father provided a, a bit more of a stable house. She yes. she had she had the the time now to think about such things because before she was in pretty much survival mode yes. with the first husband. Yes, and she was not in survival mode anymore. At least she didn't perceive it that way, right? They had all the bills covered. They weren't going to have to move. They weren't going to get kicked out, you know, because they weren't paying the rent. So she was able to focus on, oh, I'm going to get a nice outfit for the first day of school for you. And she was able to focus on all those little things. I am hoping out of this podcast, people are listening and, and seeing just how real you're being as, you know, someone in the Phi community that right. you're really putting everything out on the table here, mm-hmm. you know, as, as Lincoln once said, warts and all. <laughs> and and that's a lot. So this is just an example of how my, uh, you know, the, how they just treated money so opposite, right? So my dad was older. So he actually retired at 62 and then he realized retired at 62 started taking his social security at 62 then he realized that wasn't quite enough <laughs> and that my mom wasn't going to be dependable as a full-time worker you know to 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 carry on so he actually did go back to work pretty much full-time um not long after that it was part-time but he worked he just stayed longer anyway the point is he would get the social security check that would come on the third of every month and my mother, I can remember, especially in the summertime, we would wait for that check because she couldn't wait to get her hands on that check so that we could spend that check. Obviously, she didn't spend it all because she knew. Again, my mother always paid her bills, right? She never fell behind. So she knew I need X amount of dollars set aside for all the expenses. But these other dollars, we can go spend today. We can go for pizza. We can go for Chinese food. We can go to the mall. I can buy you this. I can buy me that. And it was like that. The third of every month, we're watching for the mailman to come to 1130, I can tell you. It was around 1130. <laughs> the mailman would come down the road. And one time, this is great. One time, the mailman came. We run out to check the mail. I mean, we're running out to the mailbox before he's even pulling away. Right? So the check's not there. Oh, right. The check's not there. <laughs> we follow the mail mailman in our car. We jump in our car and she follows the mailman and she tracked down the check. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess it got stuck with, some, yeah, pulled it out of his car and we took off to the mall. <laughs> our water heater broke down, right? So we didn't have, so for a, a I do remember this for a, for a time when I was young, we were heating our bath water on the stove <laughs> and pour. And I don't know, like my mother is very vocal. So she talks to her family and she talks and she's not necessarily, necessarily saying, Oh, we don't have a water heater. Can you have, but, but she is right. So she is saying, 
you know, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. It broke down. And a family member stepped in, purchased a water heater, and then we had a new water heater. And I'm sure my dad was probably putting money away in an envelope <laughs> to, uh, to buy the, the new water heater. What was your impression of your financial situation as a child growing up in the house? Did you ever grow up, in other words, what I'm asking is, did you ever grow up feeling you had to go without anything? It's so funny. No. And I didn't grow up feeling poor. I mean, I knew we lived in a trailer and we lived on the right side of the tracks. So we were in the good school district, right? So that made an influence on me or made an impact on me because I was going to school with all these kids that were living in those big suburban houses that I, that I so desperately wanted. <laughs> and I carried that through into adulthood. Yeah, that, that'll be another podcast. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so my impression, no, we never went without anything. I was never hungry. I always had the latest fashions, uh, you know, always had whatever I wanted. They were just given to me. You know, even with my car, you know, I, I, ta- I touched on that in a, in a different podcast. Yes. I wasn't, at, when, I, when I turned 16, I wasn't saying, oh, can I get a car? Can I get a car? My mom was the one, let's go get you a car. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Ta- speaking of cars, uh, talk about the Saturn and, and your, your parents' car buying kind of. Well, uh, my mom did, wrote, again, the, the, the Saturn was the only new car they ever bought. So they did keep it fairly frugal, I guess. Um, always used cars. Uh, my dad loved the Volkswagen bus. and uh, <laughs> So he rotated through those. I think he had three, maybe two to three. Um, and my mom, I can remember a Volkswagen bug and a Reliant K car and some sort of Buick and then the Saturn. Um, but now, yeah, now she's in a less, uh, I don't know, positive financial situation because my father is not here anymore. So her finances have been cut dramatically since he's not here and working anymore. And But she still wants that car. And we talked about that before, I think. Um, so she had a car that was almost paid off. But she got another car that added to her monthly bills significantly, even though it was used, and is still paying on that at seventy four. And I, I think seventy four. Yeah. P- express to people listening what what did you say? Oh, I was <laughs> to the to the lender so, to the to the car dealership. Go ahead. I think this was in twenty thirteen. Maybe it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I mean, she had a great car. It had like. 20-some thousand miles on it, maybe two payments left, and that is huge. For her to not have a car payment is huge to her monthly bottom line, right? I mean, it's the difference between us helping her with groceries and not. So I said to the to the car dealer, I said, she cannot afford this. This is ridiculous. You know, but they don't care. <laughs> so, you know, she went ahead and signed the papers and she got the car. And I think she has two years to pay on it. At 74 years old. That car is a reflection of who she is. That car is her new clothes. And again, it was, it had 90,000 miles on it, but it looked great, right? It's a, what is it? It's a Kia. <laughs> a Kia Soul, Soul. right? <laughs> the one with the hamsters. <laughs> but it does, it's a really cute car. It looks nice and 
<laughs> but yeah, that's that's part of her keeping up her image that she's trying to change from her childhood because she didn't have nice clothes as a child. She didn't. She was made fun of at school, so that's all part of that. But anyway, next episode. What yeah, you... I'm. You know what I'm thinking for our next episode? Yes. What? Let's have your mother on. <laughs> We could. So anybody listening, if if you'd like to have Lisa's mother on, uh, that would be Mama Money Monster. <laughs> yeah. Let us know. And then she's going to come on and say, oh, no, you you have that wrong. That's not right. <laughs> well, let's find out. But that could be. But this is my perception. Right. right of things. So. Let's, let's get her on. So uh, I'm going to fly to Canada today. <laughs> okay. And you're going to go to work. Yep. I got to get moving. And Mama's going to come over to watch a mini money monster. Yes. And we we love Mammal. Yeah, I love my mom. It's not I'm this is just all all how it is. This right? is just life yep. and, and how it works. So thanks for listening. Yep. I guess uh, we're signing off. Signing off to be continued. <laughs> uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a review and if you wanna read our blog it's madmoneymonster.com and we are all over social media at Mad Money Monster. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at themadmoneymonster at gmail.com.